This message comes from Capital One. Your business faces unique challenges and opportunities. That's why Capital One offers a comprehensive suite of financial services backed by the strength of a top 10 commercial bank. Visit CapitalOne.com slash commercial. Member FDIC. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. Come on in, Microsoft nerds, because we're about to open the Bill Gates. I'm Bill Curtis, and the 2021 Best Host of the Year lists are just out. And here's somebody who'll be reading them. It's Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill, and thank you to my dogs who are listening right now with quiet appreciation. <laughs> Later on today, we're going to be talking to the reigning queen of Broadway, Audra McDonald, who in her career has won six Tony Awards, a Grammy, an Emmy, and Drama Desk Awards. That's impressive, but why hasn't she won the 2021 Motor Trend Car of the Year? <laughs> we'll ask her, but first, we want to put you on the spot, so give us a call. The number is one triple eight. wait wait That's one eight 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 nine two four eight nine two four. And now let's welcome our first listener contestant. Hi, you're on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, this is Nico Cherisani from Orlando, Florida. Hey, Nico, how are things in Orlando? Oh, they're sunshiny, beautiful. It's a great time of year to be down here. It is, Ooh. I know. What do you do there? Do you work for one of the many theme parks, perhaps? Well, unfortunately not. No, I'm at a uh, remote startup. Really? So, so what brings you? So, are you like just one of those people who just wanted to live in Orlando? (laughs) My wife just had twins, and so it was a great idea for us to move much closer to her family. I understand. (laughs) I understand. And pretty soon they're going to be wanting to go to Disney. So, why not just get it out of the way now? We're all going to work for the mouse one day, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Well, welcome to the show, Nico. Let me introduce you to our panel this week. First, it's the comedian who will be headlining at the Lincoln Lodge right here in Chicago on January 8th. It's Adam Burke. Hello, Nico. Hey, Adam. Next, she's a writer for Late Night with Seth Meyers, and she's also one of Forbes 30 Under 30. It's Karen Chi. Hi, Nico. Hey, Karen. (laughs) And his podcast is Back to School with Maz Jobrani, and his Things Are Looking Bright stand-up comedy tour is on now. All dates available at mazjobrani.com. One of the 70s under 70, it's Maz Jobrani. <laughs> hey, Maz, how you doing? Hey, Nico, what's happening? <laughs> Nico, welcome to the show. You, of course, are going to start us off with Who's Bill? This time, Bill Curtis is going to read you three quotations from this week's news. If you can correctly identify or explain just two of them, you will win our prize. Any voice from our show you might choose in your voicemail. You ready to go? I am. Let's do it then. Here is your first quote. Here we go again. That was the Washington Post reacting to the news that there's yet another variant of COVID out there now. What is this one called? Omicron. Omicron or Omicron. Who knows? It's Greek. The Omicron variant. Just when we were getting over the Delta variant, here comes another one. You think you're depressed. Delta Airlines is really regretting changing their name just last week. To Omicron Airlines. (laughs) (laughs) The sudden onset of this variant is a surprise. Scientists thought we'd be safe because Omicron was so busy plotting against the Autobots. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is the first one that doesn't have a brand sponsor. Because Corona sponsored coronavirus, Delta Airlines, and now Omicron. I think Omicron came about because the guy who discovered it was like, I'm going to cry. (laughs) <laughs> i think the world health organization knows that if they want to make us take these things seriously don't name them after letters of the greek alphabet because we're not that worldly 
<laughs> like anything that's not our alphabet just sounds goofy to us. Like if that's you want true. us to, if you want us to sit up and take notice, name us after something Americans are actually afraid of, like uh, cheeseless pizza or something. Or like, universal <laughs> healthcare is what it's yeah. called. The immigrant. This next one's called the immigrant. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Now the virus, of course, is continuing to mutate, primarily because so many people are still unvaccinated, and it's very frustrating to doctors, but. Can we get like some cool mutations as opposed to ones that just make it worse? Can, mm. can we get like a variant that would also whiten your teeth or, or one that will make you into Wolverine? That would be you know awesome. It... I would love a third arm. <laughs> you mean you didn't get that with the third shot? I got a third <gasps> arm. You didn't... Oh, man. Oh. I got to get my third shot now. <laughs> yeah. Wait till you get your booster. Doesn't a third arm just mean another hand to wash? Yeah. Oh. And then you if, you're two, you're if right. your first two hands are washing each other, who's washing the third hand? You ever thought of that, Karen? <laughs> be careful. <laughs> you know, these new variants feel like the iPhone. You know how you get the update all the time? Oh, yeah. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like oh, oh yeah. I, finally, I finally figured it out. They go, no, you didn't. Yeah, because we got an update. That, like, that's oh, what. God. Also, that's what. Like, if you wanted to ask me, what other thing keeps coming in waves with more and more incomprehensible names? Oh, wow, <laughs> you didn't. You didn't upgrade to Omicron. Oh, you got to yeah. get Omicron because it's got these cool new emojis. The who yeah. told me? The who told me there was a new variant, and I just clicked. Remind me later. <laughs> <laughs> later tonight. <laughs> All right. Very good. Here, Nico, is your next quote. I want to congratulate my North Jersey constituent on his run for U.S. Senate in Pennsylvania. I'm sure this fully genuine candidacy will capture the hearts of Pennsylvanians. That was Congressman Bill Pascrell, Democrat of New Jersey, congratulating which of his famous constituents on his announced run for a Senate seat in the next state over. Oh, is it Dr. Oz? It is Dr. Oz, Nico. Well done. Dr. Oz, of course, is famous for selling magic weight loss pills and such on TV. He has announced he is running for Senate in Pennsylvania, finally answering the question, what do you do if you can't even get on Dancing with the Stars? <laughs> <laughs> he announced his candidacy on his show, though, right? And his show is like famous for espousing false statements. So we actually don't even know if this uh, right. is true or not. <laughs> I mean, and I don't know. I mean, yes, we're having a medical crisis ongoing, but do we need a celebrity doctor in elected office? And if so, why this one? Why not Dr. Dre or Dr. Octopus <laughs> or Doc Martens? The, the, the fact that you put doctor in front of your name doesn't qualify you. Dr. Oz falls in line with Dr. Atlas. They should go start their own hey, practice. Hey, Mom, yes. trust the pseudoscience. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> I will say, though, the fact that he lives in New Jersey and is running, you know, in Pennsylvania shows that he's a doctor without borders. Whoa. Right? <laughs> Whoa. That's why you're 30 under 30. There you go. Boom. A 31-year-old couldn't come up with that, but you. <laughs> I'm assuming um, Oz is his real last name, but he's in show business. He could have changed that. You're really going to keep the name of a famous charlatan <laughs> <laughs> that lives behind a curtain and has no real power? No, it's true. All right. Here is your last quote, and it's from one Ringo Starr. I farted. Just thought I'd let you know. That was one of the shocking moments from a new eight-hour documentary on what famous band it's the Beatles. It is the Beatles. Get back the new Beatles documentary from Peter Jackson, who specializes in the Lord of the Rings movies and other things that are way too long, is an exhaustive look at the creation of 
the Beatles' final album and final concert. It's amazing. It's like six hours of them just noodling around and eating dry toast, and then Paul suddenly comes up with the song Get Back Out of Nowhere, and then it's two more hours of noodling. <laughs> I will say this. I call bull I call bull on the documentary because it claims to show everything. Um, but we see them drink 9,000 cups of tea, and never once does Peter Jackson follow them to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, we, we, we open this thing with a remarkable moment when Ringo says, uh, I just farted. I wanted everybody to know, which is very open of him. Ringo, and, and here's the thing about Ringo. It's like, yes, all he does pretty much in this documentary is he farts that one time, but he <laughs> farted in time. He was such a reliable <laughs> farter. People dismiss him, but you knew that you had Ringo back there farting, you'd at least keep the beat. I mean, listen, it, it just sounded like a regular fart, but once George Martin and Phil Spector were done with it, then talk about a wall of sound. You think Yoko Ono will watch it all at once, or will she break it up? <laughs> I will say, I, I think the documentary makes a compelling case for how she kept them together, because there's a bit where, spoiler alert, there's a bit where George leaves the band, and George leaves the band, and then they immediately go into a three-minute freakout where Yoko starts singing and starts wailing into the mic, and you can just see John going, oh, we need to get George back. (laughs) (laughs) Bill, how did Nico do in our quiz? Got us off to a very good start. Nico, you got him all right. Congratulations, Nico. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful being here. Oh, it's been wonderful to have you, Nico. Good luck. Take care and enjoy Disney when your kids are old enough. (laughs) We'll do. Panel, time for you to answer some questions about this week's news. Karen, in response to a shortage and rising prices, the government of Canada has decided to open up their strategic reserve of what? Maple syrup. Exactly right. (laughs) Yes, maple syrup. It's so odd because the same week that the United States tapped into its strategic petroleum reserve, releasing emergency supplies of the fuel that propels our entire economy, Canada did exactly the same thing for theirs. Thanks to uh, a warm spring, maple syrup harvests are down, resulting in hoarding and high prices on the back alley maple syrup brown market. The whole <laughs> thing is so sad. You do not know what it's like when you run into Mrs. Butterworth in the street just begging for a taste. <laughs> it's hard to believe that this is true. I mean, when they say like emergency maple syrup preserve, this is not like some notional thing. There is an actual vault in Canada filled with maple syrup with like a sign saying break in case of emergency. It's like Fort Knox, but all the door handles are sticky. Officials yeah. there released about 50 million pounds of maple syrup from the reserve. That's around half the total amount or what one child pours out when you leave them alone with a bottle. <laughs> can I see the Can I see the Ocean's Eleven sequel where they break into Canada's maple syrup <laughs> reserve? I want to see the James Bond movie where that happens, where like you know Maple Finger wants to break in <laughs> Maple Finger to That's steal amazing. the maple syrup. <laughs> That's so nice for the Canadians, but as an American, I'm really happy. You know. Waking up every morning and pouring petroleum onto my waffles for breakfast. <laughs> so, we'll never so I'm going to have to take a moment just to do a quick, it's a bit of a sticky situation for, from, from, from Maple Finger. Yeah. And he throws, a, and, and, and he, instead of the hat, he throws uh, pancakes to hit yeah, people. Exactly. <laughs>
Coming up, we uncover a cover-up in our bluff listener game called one triple eight wait wait to play We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Support for NPR and the following message come from Rosetta Stone, the perfect app to achieve your language learning goals no matter how busy your schedule gets. It's designed to maximize study time with immersive 10-minute lessons and audio practice for your commute. Plus, tailor your learning plan for specific objectives like travel. Get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off and unlimited access to 25 language courses. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. Last year, over 20,000 people joined the Body Electric study to change their sedentary, screen-filled lives. And guess what? We saw amazing effects. Now you can try NPR's Body Electric Challenge yourself. Listen to updated and new episodes wherever you get your podcasts. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We are playing this week with Karen Chi, Maz Jobrani, and Adam Burke. And here again is your host. You can keep your fifth beetle. I say this Pete's best. Peter Sagal. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. Right now it is time for the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Love the listener game. Call one wait wait to play our game in the air. Hi, you're on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, Peter. It's Lindsay calling from Brooklyn, New York. Hey, Lindsay. How are you? How are things in Brooklyn? Oh, fine and dandy cotton candy. How's Chicago? (laughs) Not bad. Oh, man. I have such a tough time dealing with you tough, gruff New Yorkers. I know. (laughs) It's intimidating. I'm, textbook. And what do you do there in New York? By day, I work for an amazing local florist. And by night, I dress my cat as a drag queen on Instagram. Wow. Wow. (laughs) All right. You dress up your cat and you put your cat on Instagram. What is the name of your cat, please? It is um, RuPaw's Drag Race. (laughs) Oh, amazing. (laughs) And does she make more money than you do? Um, She does. And she has more clothing, more jewelry, and more wigs than I ever will. (laughs) (laughs) Well, welcome to the show, Lindsay. It's a pleasure to have you. You're going to play the game in which you must try to tell truth from fiction. Bill, what is Lindsay's topic? It's a cover-up. History has its share of great cover-ups. Watergate, Iran-Contra, the fact that one of today's panelists is the Zodiac Killer. Well, this week we heard about another big cover-up, and you're going to hear about it from our panelists, one of whom is, again, the Zodiac Killer. Pick the one who's telling the truth, and you will win the wait-waiter of your choice on your voicemail. Are you ready to do this? Oh, baby, let's go. Oh, baby, here we go. First, let's hear from Maz Jobrani. Nobody likes going to the dentist, but in the small town of Driggs, Idaho, a trip to the local tooth doctor turned out to be even more of a drag when all of the patients who visited Dr. Janszewski found themselves leaving with root canals. Locals first became suspicious of the good doctor when over Thanksgiving, the town's mailman, Tim Gordon, found himself at a Thanksgiving party telling the other guests about a recent trip to the new dentist. I went in with a chipped tooth, but left with a root canal. That's when the town librarian, Emma Johnson, chimed in with her own story. I went to see Dr. Janszewski to whiten my teeth, and he also gave me a root canal. Things got really crazy at the party when Amy McThompson told the dinner guests about her story. I took my two-year-old toddler in for his first checkup and the doctor recommended a root canal. I asked him, are you sure? And he replied, 
Why not? The townspeople quickly took it upon themselves to investigate further and found an email that the doctor had recently sent to a fellow dentist confessing his preferred dental procedure. In the post, he writes, I gotta admit, it's great to be in a new town where I'm the only choice they have. I keep recommending root canals because truth be told, that's the only procedure I remember from dental school. (laughs) A dentist is doing root canals for everyone because it turns out it's the only thing he knows how to do. Your next story of a cover-up revealed comes from Adam Burke. For many years, the Thanksgiving Day Parade was an annual highlight in the small town of Ellis Woods, Iowa. Until recently, that is, when local residents started noticing something odd about the parade route. We're not a big place, says resident and parade float driver Edgar Danby, so it didn't make much sense when the procession suddenly veered off of Main Street and took the better part of six hours. It was not long after the debacle that local reporter Charlene Wu says she was contacted by one of the parade's organizers, who would only be identified by the code name Deep Float. According to my source, says Wu, the mayor has a lot of family in the outlying areas of the county, and when they declined to come to town for the parade, he decided to bring the parade to them. The mayor's insistence that the unconventional course was due to his Waze app making him avoid, quote, holiday traffic, seems to have done little to placate locals. My float ran out of gas on a dirt road, complained parade participant Charles Wolfe. You ever try to get triple A to tow a 30-foot pumpkin out of a ditch? (laughs) A mayor in Iowa secretly planning the Thanksgiving parade route just so his family could see it without having to be bothered. Your last story of someone trying to bury a secret comes from the Zodiac Killer. (laughs) (laughs) The town of Wyerton, Ontario in Canada seems to love the movie Weekend at Bernie's a little too much. The local officials apparently covered up the death of a beloved resident for over a year, and now, amidst the public outcries of disappointment, the officials are doubling down on their decision. The resident in question? None other than Canadian legend and celebrity groundhog Wyerton Willie, the Canadian version of Punxsutawney Phil. Willie, who apparently died in his sleep due to an abscessed tooth, was so popular that the town officials could not bear to announce his death. Said Mayor Janice Jackson, Wyerton Willie has put us on the international map and we're very, very protective of the Wyerton Willie brand. She also mentioned that they tried to swap in a different groundhog so residents wouldn't know he had died, but Willie was an albino and, quote, we just couldn't come up with a white groundhog. And residents also had reason to be suspicious because in 1999, the town officials covered up the death of the previous Willie, a groundhog who had frozen to death a week before Groundhog's Day. So, you know, it's just as they say, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, and you're the town officials of Wyerton, Ontario. Rest in peace, <laughs> Willie. All right. Which of these was the real cover-up that we found out about from this week's news? Was it from Maz, a dentist in Idaho who's been doing root canals for everybody because, as it turns out, that's the only thing he knows how to do? From Adam Burke, a Thanksgiving parade in Iowa, which was routed strangely because the mayor, it turns out, just wanted his friends to see it without having them have to move. Or from Karen Chi, a town in Canada, which covered up the death of their beloved groundhog because, well, they didn't want anybody to know that it had died. Which of these was the real story of a cover-up in the news? Um, I'm going to go with <laughs> I'm going to go with the the groundhog story. You're going to go with Karen Chi's story of the groundhog in Wyerton, Ontario, 
who died, but the town's fathers and mothers covered it up for their own PR purposes. That's your, that's your choice. Well, we spoke to someone familiar with the story to bring us the truth. Wyrton Willie didn't show up in the virtual Wyrton Groundhog Day Festival. Turns out, Willie was too busy being dead to attend. That's terrible. That was Kevin Jong, <laughs> the Toronto Star reporter, who covered the true story. Congratulations, Lindsay. You did get it right. You earned a point for Karen, who, of course, is a psychopathic murderer. And you've won our prize, <laughs> the voice of your choice on your voicemail. Congratulations. Well done. Thank you so much. Ciao for now. Bye. 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 Ciao. And now the game where we show our affection for people we admire by asking them silly questions. What can I say? We're shy. Audra McDonald is the reigning queen of Broadway. She has six Tony Awards, has done concerts all around the world, and is now starring in a new period drama from HBO called The Gilded Age, because while she has already done everything as a performer, she hasn't done it while wearing a bustle. Audra McDonald, welcome to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. (laughs) Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. And actually, I have worn a bustle. <laughs> you have worn a bustle. You've, you've, where did you wear a bustle? Actually, of course you did. But yes, what are you talking about? Yes. When I did ragtime, we wore bustles oh, sure. and corsets. And, and yes. So. Um, and you were like, and you said to your agent, you know what I want to do? I That bustle. I just I just love <laughs> turning around and knocking things off tables behind me. Can I do that again, please? Yes. Well, the bustles and the corsets, as, as Christine Baranski said during filming, she was like, it was COVID and corsets <laughs> because we were <laughs> filming during, during, well, during the pandemic. So, yeah. So it's a whole new, whole new uh, series there. Did, did you ever have, this makes me think of this, did you ever have, because I know you went to Juilliard and very soon after that, you were already on Broadway and performing and winning Tony. Did you have your starving actor phase? Um, yes. While I was, at, well, I was a starving student, um, starving actor right. phase. You know, while I was at Juilliard, I mean, my freshman year at Juilliard, I lived, I lived in a residential hotel on 93rd and Broadway where there was an elevator we were told not to use because that's where the drug deals went down. So the, the people who also lived there as, as well as, you know, some of these Juilliard students took really good care of us, even though they were like drug users and, 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 uh, pushers. There was a couple of prostitutes in there, but they were actually very protective of the students that were there. It's such a smart thing to tell college students, hey, don't go where the drugs are. <laughs> it's one of those things, too, that I didn't because I'm from Fresno, California, and my, you know, my parents were still in, in Fresno and I just moved to New York when I was 18. And I, I didn't tell them about those days until years later. I was like, let me not. Let me just <laughs> let them just think that I'm just in a practice room studying, which for the most time I was. But I didn't let them know right. exactly mm. the conditions in which I was living. We were told, I'm not surprised to hear this, that you were uh, the star of Fresno Dinner Theater and that you played, I mean, just like the queen of that circuit, which everybody what? knows. Is, it was, it's a huge circuit. It's huge. Yeah, I know. Man. Once you've, if you've played Fresno, what else is there's there to not, do? There's Fresno and then Carnegie Hall. And that's it. What kind of roles did you play as a child in the Fresno Dinner Theater? Um, I played uh, crazy roles. I, I played Ava in Evita when I was 16, which is... You played Evita when you were 16? Yes, I did. Um, yeah, I, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I, um, I, I didn't really understand the ins and outs of Ava Perone, but I played her nonetheless. And, and when, you were, when you were a 16-year-old young woman in Fresno, California, how do you process that? 
Um, you know, ignorance is bliss. You know what you know, and you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> right. I, I had a loud voice, and I had a lot of stage presence. <laughs> I have to tell you, though, that's when I first started learning about um, when you take home your characters with you. Yeah. And I, for some reason, started to take home um, the character of Ava Perone. And so when I was in high school, I was getting very... Um, I was getting very snotty with my teachers that I think I was a junior in high school and I was very snotty with them during really? that time. Yeah. And I think it's because I was playing Ava Perone at night. And so they'd be like, you know, where's your homework? I'm like, oh, I didn't have time to do that. <laughs> I'm Ava Perone. It's like, <laughs> Audrey, would you, would you get away from the window? There are no crowds out there. Just come back. <laughs> math class. I've got work to do. Yeah, exactly. Did, as a stage actor, have you ever been on stage and been like, oh my God, I've done this a million times. I'm so bored. And then you start thinking about something else and, <laughs> have to find it. Has that ever happened to you? Or you wandered out of the whole scene and you're somewhere else? Yes, it's happened to me. But for some reason, I'm going to tell you a story about when it happened to Zoe Caldwell, who is was was an incredible, incredible actress, uh, a theatrical actress, um, and she won four Tony Awards. And I, I, I did master class with her, Terrence McNally's master class on Broadway in '95 and '96. And we were doing the show one night, and um, I said a line to her, and she just sort of paused. And looked at me, like more of a pause than usual, and then finally answered with the line. But there was just a really uncomfortable sort of silence that usually wasn't there. And we got off stage. I said, Zoe, what happened? She said, darling, I was thinking that I'm going to have pasta when I go home. <laughs> <laughs> and she was trying to decide between like red sauce or white sauce. <laughs> And then she realized, oh, right, I must. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm saying that, why am I telling Zoe's story? I think because just to say that it happens to all of us at some yeah. point, and if it happens to a great like Zoe, then yeah. I will feel less guilty about saying that, yes, that has happened to me too. <laughs> That's uh, amazing. That I will is. also say this whole time I've been zoning out, I've no idea what you guys are talking about. Yeah, I'm just I know. What pasta I should have for dinner. <laughs> well, Audra McDonald, it is an absolute honor to talk to you, but we have invited you here to play a game we're calling hey mcdonald try a whopper <laughs> that's right you probably thought we were going to ask you about mcdonald's restaurant but we're not that dumb no <laughs> we're gonna ask you about burger king answer three questions about the other fast food burger place you'll win our prize for one of our listeners the voice of their choice on their voicemail bill who is audra mcdonald playing for Stephen chen of los angeles california all right here we go you ready for this i'm super ready I know my Burger King. Okay. Ooh, okay. Ooh. Okay. Well then, <laughs> let's see. All right. Burger Kings are popular worldwide. Uh, all of them are a little different than the ones you find in the States. For example, which of these is a real Burger King you can visit abroad? A, a Burger King in Amsterdam where you can buy their pot-infused burger, the Wimper. B, a Burger King in Finland, which features a fully functioning nude sauna. And yes, you can buy your food and bring it in there. Or C, a Burger King in Havana called the Burger Comrade Who Serves the People. <laughs> I'm going to go with A. You're going to go with A, the Burger King in Amsterdam with a pot-infused burger. Yeah, because if not, there should be. <laughs> uh, it was B, actually. It was the Burger King in Finland. Oh! Yeah. Real, but why does anybody want to take a burger into a sauna? That's a well, really good point. Just no, for extra great. bacteria on the side. It's it's, it's no, Finland. It's they like saunas. <laughs> but it's also great because then there's grill marks in both you and <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you, you get match. match. <laughs> All right. You have two more questions. 
Though it may seem shocking, actor Robert Downey Jr. credits Burger King with changing his life. How? A. He wasn't sure if it was smart to take the role of Iron Man, but he went to a Burger King and decided, yes, he could have things his way. B. In 2003, he ate a burger from Burger King that was so bad that it forced him to confront all his life choices to that point, leading him to finally get sober. Or C. He applied to work at a Burger King at the age of 16, was turned down, and in the depths of his disappointment, realized he'd have to settle for acting. Oh, these are all such good answers. I'm going to say... All of the above? (laughs) (laughs) No, it was B. He hit bottom eating a Burger King burger. Wow. Okay. Well, I I don't consider eating Burger King rock bottom. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I do it a little too much. All right. Last question. Burger King. Burger King is known these days, I don't know primarily, but still for their weirdly creepy mascot. Yes. The Burger King, the guy with the mask. Yes. It's all very odd, but he is not the creepiest fast food mascot ever. Which of these, at least in our opinion, is the KFC Cannibal Chicken, the Arby's Meat Blob, or the Quiznos Sponge Monkey? Those, those are all real things? <laughs> no, one of them is. Again, one of them is. A. A was the KFC cannibal chicken. I know. All right. It's going to be, you know, I'm, I'm going to change my mind. It's C. It's C. You're going to go for the Quiznos sponge monkey. You're right. <laughs> yes, it was the Quiznos sponge monkey. It could have been spung monkey. We're not sure. It was weird. It was short-lived, but it was real. It's terrible. That's terrible. <laughs> so strange. That uh, sounds like the most entry-level job at Quiznos. <laughs> the sponge monkey. <laughs> oh, yeah. Our CEO started before. as a sponge monkey. And the next thing you know. Uh, Bill, how'd you, how did Audrey McDonald do in her quiz? Even though she only got one right, it's impossible not to give her an award. We'll call her a winner. Yay! Audrey McDonald <laughs> is an Emmy, Grammy, and six-time Tony winner who will appear in HBO's The Gilded Age out next month, and she'll be back on Broadway soon. Audrey McDonald, thank you so much for joining us on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Thank me. you for having me. I had a ball. Thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> see you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. In just a minute, Bill takes us on our tour of his summer sausage home in the Listener Limerick Challenge. Call one wait wait to join us in the air. We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. This message comes from Capital One, offering commercial solutions you can bank on. Now more than ever, your business faces unique challenges and opportunities. That's why Capital One offers a comprehensive suite of financial services, all tailored to your short- and long-term goals. Backed by the strength and stability of a top-10 commercial bank, their dedicated experts work with you to build lasting success. Explore the possibilities at CapitalOne.com slash commercial, a member FDIC. Support for NPR and the following message come from the American Cancer Society. Dr. Alpa Patel leads a team that researches cancer risk factors, and she shares how her team makes an impact. We always do what we like to think of as actionable science. So the work that we do makes its way to things like nutrition and physical activity guidelines for cancer.org, where millions of people come each year to learn about how they can better prevent cancer. To learn more, go to cancer.org. In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. 
in NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them. We celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We are playing this week with Maz Jobrani, Karen Chi, and Adam Burke. And here is your host, say what you will. Ah, I like him just the way he is. It's Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. In just a minute, Bill gives his own tribute to Stephen Sondheim in our Listener Limerick Challenge. If you'd like to play, give us a call at one wait wait That's one 888 Right now, panel, some more questions for you from the week's news. Adam, a woman had to hastily change the Facebook Marketplace post she put up trying to give away her old couch after realizing she had mistakenly posted a photo of what with the phrase, need gone today? Oh, was it... Was it like her husband? Was it a family member? It was. It was, like a- it was in fact, her baby. <laughs> <laughs> the woman somehow uploaded the wrong photos from her phone to Facebook, and instead of the couch, she posted a photo of her adorable seven-month-old son, Oscar, with that caption, need gone today. People immediately recognized, of course, it was just a mistake. Seven months old or adorable. Wait until he's three. That's when you're like, need <laughs> gone today. That could have been so much worse. So- How so? Need gone today, some light wear and tear, <laughs> bit, of a, yeah. bit of a coffee stain on the back, I'll leave it in the alley, pick it up on Saturday. Uh, it, it, or it could have been like, need gone today, baby, never worn. <laughs> I think I think that's what you do with your teenagers. You put them out on the curb till somebody picks them up. Who would ever pick yeah. them up? I think you have to Nobody. pay a service to come and get Can them. Can you recycle those? I don't no, think so. No, I think that's true. I feel like it's like college applications I always think should be done by the parents, where it's like, please just take my child. <laughs> see, see, I think I think our couch is a teenager. It just kind of lies around in the living room and smells weird. <laughs> <laughs> Maz, some exciting news from the world of birds albatrosses, those giant seabirds, for the first time ever are being observed in nature doing what? Ooh. They're on TikTok. (laughs) They have their own accounts. They're doing TikTok dances. (laughs) Albatross dance? Yeah. Well, give me a hint. I'll give you a hint. It just goes to show you, no matter what species you are, always get a prenup. Ooh, they're getting married. No, the other thing. And divorced. They're getting divorced. Yes, albatrosses typically mate for life. But apparently some are now wondering if their friends were right and they had settled down too early. (laughs) Warming temperatures are making it harder to raise chicks, which typically cements the bond between a pair of albatrosses. And without a child to raise, most albatrosses realize that they have literally nothing else to talk about. (laughs) And you know what happened? It was during the lockdown. The albatrosses had to spend a lot of time Stuck in with each other. (laughs) Oh, my God. And yeah. they, they finally got to know each other. And they're like, yeah, I don't, I'm, not, I'm probably not into you. Wouldn't it be weird when, like, a bird gets divorced and starts dating again and everybody's like, oh, wow, did you see how young his new girlfriend is? He literally has to chew up food and regurgitate it into her mouth. <laughs> <laughs> hey, who's he dating? Some chick. <laughs> yeah, that must be hard when you break up with an albatross. It's like, ah, you... 
I don't know. You're just like something around my neck. I can't put my <laughs> finger on it. It's just an albatross, like on a dating app, is like I'm looking for someone to be the wind beneath my wings. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up, it's lightning fill in the blank, but first it's the game where you have to listen for the rhyme. If you'd like to play on air, call or leave a message at one wait wait That's one 888 or click the Contact Us link on our website. That's waitwait.npr.org. And we're back doing live shows in front of real people once a month at the Harris Theater in Chicago. January 6th and February 3rd. Tickets are on sale soon. For more information, go to waitwait.npr.org. Hi, you're on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, this is Aaron. I'm from Santa Monica. I'm so excited to be on the show. Aaron, I'm so excited Yay. to have you. Yay! This is a great moment for all of us. <laughs> what do you do in Santa Monica, a place I've spent many a happy day? I am a student at Kelsey Northridge, and I also am a server at the oldest bar in Santa Monica called The Galley. I have Whoa. been to The Galley, though not recently. Have you? I have. Are, are people treating you decently now that they're back? Are they uh, they're grateful, or are they just obnoxious, as we have heard about, like, say, on airplanes? It's kind of, it's not that bad uh, from what I've seen on the news, but it is hit or miss, um, kind of like it was before, <laughs> you know, it's always kind of been hit or miss in that business. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> well, welcome to the show, Aaron. Bill Curtis is going to read you three news related limericks with the last word or phrase missing from each. If you can fill in that last word or phrase correctly and just two of them, you'll be a winner. You know how this goes. We've been doing it for a while. Here is your first limerick. This social trick is a game changer. The unknown isn't always a danger, because we have just met. Being open's no threat, so I'm spilling my soul to a... Stranger. A stranger, yes. According to a new study by psychologists at the University of Chicago, not only is having a meaningful conversation with a stranger not as awkward as we worry it will be, it gives us a sense of connection. So, next time, ask why do you come here often? <laughs> I Pret- hate conversations on the airplane when they start talking to me. I'm not into it at all. <laughs> right. Well, that's that's a particularly unpleasant situation. And I don't know if they made them do that. What they did is they, they asked people, well, we're going to put you in a room with a stranger. How do you feel about that? And they said, oh, I feel this bad about it. And then they told them to have conversations about shallow and deep topics. And they found out that first of all, the conversations weren't as anxiety producing as they worried they'd be, and that people who had deeper conversations with strangers enjoyed the experience more. So mm. Maz, maybe the problem is you. Maybe you need to open up. <laughs> the next person I meet on a plane, I'm going to be like, I have problems talking to people and I'm a horrible human being and I hope you can solve my problem by the time we land. Go. Right. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Here is your next limerick. A Christmas charcuterie treat. The T-bone frame looks kind of neat. The fairy tale witch has made an odd switch. A gingerbread house made of... Meat? Yes! And yes. what, now that I think of it, could be an elaborate prank, Martha Stewart Living and other trend spotters are telling us that instead of gingerbread houses, this year the hot thing to build and put next to your Christmas tree are meat houses made of cold what? cuts and charcuterie. Because nothing says happy holidays like a greasy little cabin made of pork. <laughs> and now when somebody says, hey, your house has good bones, you can believe them. <laughs> so these little crafty houses feature meat-based roofs, cracker walls held together with goat cheese. That over there, don't eat it. That's a load-bearing sausage. 
<laughs> Wait, you build the house with meat and you leave yeah. it out? Yeah, you sort of leave it out as – I don't know if you leave it out for like a week in the way that you would with the gingerbread house, but like you, you do it for like say a party. You'd make a little meat house ah. and people would come over and they'd be like, oh, how lovely. You have built a little house out of flesh. That's disgusting. I need to go home. That's pretty much – so now when people talk about flipping houses, they just mean cooking the other side. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Adam, you're on a roll. A <laughs> sausage <good>. roll. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here is your last limerick. Now that concerts once more are a thing, a mask and a light stick I'll bring. But it won't be a source of making me hoarse. I'm forbidden to shout, cheer, or... Sing! Sing, yes! Singing along at concerts, of course, is the best way to show everyone that you know the first verse and the chorus of a song. But <laughs> as live events return to South Korea, concerts with more than 500 attendees have a strict no singing policy. We hope <laughs> this rule does not apply to bands with more than 500 members because then BTS <laughs> will be out of a job. <laughs> This rule is meant to mitigate the spread of particles, obviously, aerosol particles, but also mitigate the spread of only hearing the guy behind you sing, born in the USA, when you <laughs> paid a lot of money to hear Bruce sing it. <laughs> I'm 100% on board. They, they, I mean, I have no singing allowed. Just like everybody says we, don't, we shouldn't ever have to shake hands anymore after the pandemic, <laughs> nobody should ever be allowed to sing along at concerts anymore. Ever. I've been the guy at the concert singing several times, and I've had the person in front of me kind of look back and give me the look, and I've been like, eh, I don't know what the. I mean, I, I'll just, I'll just turn my volume down just a little bit, but I want to sing. I, I want to sing along, but Ma I guess they don't want me to. So, Maz, Maz he's looking at you because he's going, "Oh, you wouldn't talk to me on the plane, but this you can do." <laughs> <laughs> this, this, although. When you think about it, there are performers who love this and it might freak them out. Like Dave Grohl on stage points his mic at the crowd and goes, I can't hear you. <laughs> no, seriously, I can't hear you. Why is no one singing? Is this some kind of new policy I wasn't told about? It can be disorienting. <laughs> Bill, how did Aaron do in our quiz? Aaron did perfectly. Three and oh. Feel good, Aaron. Congratulations, Aaron. And if I ever get to Southern California soon, I will definitely stop by and say hello. I would be thrilled. <laughs> All right. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much, Aaron. Take care. Thanks. This message comes from NPR sponsor, BetterHelp. When you keep your stress bottled up, it can eat away at you. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to make them better. Try BetterHelp Online Therapy, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp at BetterHelp.com slash NPR today to get 10% off your first month. This message comes from NPR sponsor, the official Hacks podcast from Max. Join the creators and showrunners of Hacks as they discuss each episode and speak with the cast and crew about the making of the series. Listen to the official Hacks podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Now on to our final game, Lightning Fill-in-the-Blank. Each of our players will have 60 seconds in which to answer as many fill-in-the-blank questions as they can. Each correct answer now worth two points. Bill, can you give us the scores? Sure can. Moz has two, Karen has three, and Adam has three. All right. So that means that, Moz, you are up first. The clock will start when I begin your first question, fill-in-the-blank. 
On Tuesday, former Trump chief of staff Blank revealed he was cooperating with the January 6th committee. Mark Meadows. Right. On Monday, Sweden re-elected that nation's first female Blank. Uh, Prime Minister. Right. This week it was reported that Donald Trump tested positive for Blank before the first 2020 debate. Coronavirus. Yes. On Monday, the trial of Ghislaine Maxwell, associate of Blank, began in New York. Of uh, 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 Epstein. Right. This week, a man in Germany was charged with operating a vehicle without a license when he was caught driving a car to blank. Uh, uh, the, the, the DMV. Right. To the driver's test. Following the release of her new album, 30, singer Blank has announced a Las Vegas residency. Adele. Yes. During a brawl in the stands of a hockey game in Vegas this week, a woman blanked. Uh, during a brawl in Vegas, a woman, um, uh, she bet on it. No, she took off her prosthetic leg and started beating people with it. <laughs> oh That's hilarious. <laughs> the fight broke out at the Golden Knights hockey game in Vegas, and the woman clearly decided that instead of going into the fight empty-handed, she'd go in empty-legged. She's <laughs> claiming someone else started the fight, but let's face it, she does not have a leg to stand on. I love that. I love that. That's the only thing that could make hockey fans go, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa!" whoa wait a minute. Are. Wait a minute. <laughs> that's a little much. <laughs> Bill, how did Maz do in our quiz? He had six right for twelve more points. He now has fourteen, and that gives him the lead. All right. I'm going to arbitrarily choose Karen to go next. So, Karen, you're going next. Fill in the blank. On Tuesday, the FDA approved Merck's new blank treatment. COVID pill? Yes. On Wednesday, Stacey Abrams announced she was running for governor of blank. Georgia! Right. On Wednesday, the Supreme Court heard opening arguments in a case that challenges blank. Ah, Roe v. Wade. Right. This week, a woman on a Delta flight was reprimanded by flight attendants after she was caught blanking. Smoking? Breastfeeding her cat. Over concerns (laughs) about the well-being of feng shui, (laughs) the Women's Tennis Association suspended all tournaments in blank. Um, in China. Right. Following recovery from his car crash, golfer Blank said he may never return to top-level play. Tiger Woods. Yes. After a fire broke out at a nursing home in South Carolina, staffers are advising residents to please not blank. Smoke? No, to please not store their ammunition in the toaster oven. The good news is everybody's fine. The bad news is that grandma's bullet casserole is now way overcooked. (laughs) No one is sure how the bullets got in there in the first place, but somewhere else in South Carolina, somebody strode confidently into a gunfight, not knowing his Glock was loaded with (laughs) (laughs) Pop-Tarts. That's actually an amazing idea for a gun. (laughs) Bill, how did Karen do in our quiz? Karen had five right for 10 more points. She now has 13, but... Maz still has the lead with 14. All right. So how many, then, does Mr. Adam Burke need to win? He needs six to win. All right, Adam, this is for the game. Fill in the blank. On Monday, Jack Dorsey announced he was stepping down as CEO of blank. Twitter. Right. On his fallout to his brother's sexual harassment scandal, CNN host blank was suspended indefinitely. Chris Cuomo. Right. This week, former Justice Department official Jeffrey Clark was held in contempt by the committee investigating blank. The January 6th insurrection. Yes. On Monday, federal labor officials called for a new union vote for Blank's warehouse workers. Amazon. Right. This week, a FedEx driver failed to make his scheduled deliveries when he instead made six trips into the woods to Blank. Uh, Work for Amazon. No, he dumped all his packages in a ravine. (laughs) On Wednesday, the controlling owners of sports league Blank cut off collective bargaining talks with players. MLB. 
Right, Major League Baseball, after Brendan Lemieux's hockey game on Tuesday, he and his father Claude became the first ever father-son duo to both blank in the NHL. Get knocked out by a prosthetic leg. No, they were the first father-son duo to both be suspended for biting another player. <laughs> Brendan Lemieux is facing a five-game suspension and a $40,000 fine for biting another player during a game, just like his father did back in 1986. <laughs> this marks the first father-son biting duo in the NHL, but that's only because most hockey players have to settle for gumming their opponents. <laughs> Bill, did Adam do well enough to win? Well, he had five right for 10 more points. He got a total of 13, but that means Moz's 14 is the work of a champion. Whoa, In just a minute, we're going to ask our panelists to predict what will be the newly discovered deleted scene from the Beatles' Get Back documentary. Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is a production of NPR and WBEZ Chicago in association with Urgent Haircut Productions, Doug Berman, Benevolent Overlord. Philip Godica writes our limericks. Our social media superstar is Emma Choi. B.J. Liederman composed our theme. Our program is produced by Jennifer Mills, Miles Dornboss, Lillian King, and Nancy Seychell. Special thanks to Vinnie Thomas. Special thanks to all the men, including Peter Gwynn. Technical direction is from Lorna White. Our CFO is Colin Miller. Our production manager is Robert Newhouse. Our senior producer is Ian Chillock. And the executive producer of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is Michael Danforth. Now, panel, what deleted scene will we see from the Beatles documentary? Maz Dobrani. Every scene the fifth Beatle was in. Karen Chi. Uh, in the deleted scenes, we realize that Ringo is actually over seven feet tall, so he's always just a little bit out of frame. And Adam Burke. A deleted scene featuring John forcing his bandmates to do a table read of his new sitcom about him moving back in with his estranged father called When Life Gives You Lemons. <laughs> well, if we see any of those scenes, we'll ask you about it on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thank you, Bill Curtis. Thanks also to Master O'Brani, Karen Chi, and Adam Burke. And thanks to all of you for listening. I'm Peter Sagal, and we'll see you <laughs> next week. This is NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture X Card. When you book through Capital One Travel using the Venture X Card, you earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars and 5x miles on flights, and you earn unlimited 2x miles on all other purchases. Plus, receive a $300 annual credit for bookings through Capital One Travel. The Venture X Card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Learning. IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com NPR. All that sitting and swiping, your body is adapting to your technology. Learn how and what you can do about it. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. Once I started realizing what a difference these little bricks were making, there's no turning back for me. Take NPR's Body Electric Challenge. Listen to the series wherever you get your podcasts.